Hey there, Dennis. How oh. you doing today? Good. So this is uh, this is our first attempt to do uh, what I'm calling an AML Conversations Quick Hit, and um, we're using the application Anchor. Uh, Dennis and I are both in our respective homes, uh, clearly doing social distancing plus in this tough time. But um, I appreciate Dennis. I know I know you're busy doing things and uh it's a tough time for everybody but i thought it would be interesting if we just spent a few minutes talking about you know what one of the things that i've heard many people say and i'm sure you have that the only thing that's definite in life are death and taxes but i would add to that death taxes and people that commit frauds during major crises that hit us so sadly i know in your former role at the FBI, and obviously still now you work with a lot of uh, clients, and then you worked obviously with the public regarding frauds. And the the COVID-19 virus has unfortunately unleashed a number of them. And I know the FBI has been particularly uh, active in putting out a lot of information. And what are some of the uh, things that your uh, former colleagues and you are seeing in terms of fraud in this space? Uh, John, I tell you, you know, it's it's such a horrible thing, as you pointed out, what we're going through, number one, and, and number two, people who take advantage of situations like this. Uh, I, I think that's unconscionable. And I think we haven't begun to see the magnitude and the fraud problem that's about to hit us. It's going to hit us just the way this this virus hit us. And, and it's only going to get worse. Um, and it starts with the simple schemes, just the simple fraud schemes like we're aware of, the, uh, you know, the fake IDs, the phishing, the fake schemes. In fact, I just sent you um, another uh, press release where the FBI now started an investigation into a Ponzi scheme. The guy just started an investment fraud that he has the miracle drug to solve the problem and to cure everybody. And people are investing in that. So, and, and that's just going to, that's just going to continue to escalate. But what scares me more than anything now, John, is the, uh, the $2 trillion bill that Congress just passed. Right. There are going to be so many fraudsters who are going to take advantage of that. It's, it's, it's tarp revisited in a sense when we had the bailout for the financial industry and all of the frauds that came from that. So we haven't begun to see what's going to happen. And Congress did the right thing. They sent out an economic relief package that we need. And what happens in a situation like that is Congress is going to get that money out to us as fast as possible. And, and they're not going to be able to vet because they need to get money to the people who need it. And, and in that transition and in that, in that period, that sets the stage for fraudsters because they can remain anonymous uh, and they can just take advantage of this entire situation. So that really scares me now that we're going to see that. But going back to the initial question and the initial problem is every fraud scheme that we know and any fraud scheme that applies to this type of situation, people are going to take advantage of. So I think that the FBI, and, and I'm, I'm very happy to see that the FBI and all of the U.S. attorney's offices have actively gone out and, and put a lot of information out and that they're actively setting up task forces to deal with this problem. 
So going back to the money's going out to individuals, would, would the type of frauds be uh, people reaching out electronically, email or what have you, and saying, you know, you're going to get these checks, but if you uh, sign them over to us, I mean, what, what sort of frauds happen? I know there'd be bigger frauds than that, but if somebody is just looking for the $1,500 or $2,000, what, yep. whatever it is, what what do fraudsters try to do to take advantage of the individuals getting money? Well, they're going to look for any advantage they can and any vulnerability. So first and foremost, they'll falsify identification information and submit claims in our names. So that Dennis Lormel, I I may say, you know what? I don't need any help. I'm, I'm very fortunate. But that doesn't stop somebody from using my name and my identification from putting in a claim. And that's one of the things that we're going to see. Uh, We're also going to see uh, a lot of people taking advantage who are going to file false claims that they're using their legitimate identity. And they're going to say, like, here, you use me again as an example. I'm a small business person. And what happens if if the the information comes out online that small business people like me, um, if my business has been affected, I'm entitled to X amount of money. Well, then I falsify, um, how, you know, how, how damaged my business is. And before people, this is where we're going to have that gap is before the government can do their due diligence, I'm going to have gotten a relief check. And, and you know, if I'm if I'm a real proficient fraudster, yeah, I'll disappear in in that environment so we're going to see that and we're going to see like you just suggested too where people are going to contact other people and say hey we can take care of this for you you don't know what to do and and the elderly right the elderly yeah. are going to be victimized big time here and i would think um as you know because you're helping me with it we do uh a class at George Mason um, graduate school on money loan and corruption. And just last week, we, we had to do it virtually, obviously, like everybody else. But I had a presenter from the Charity and Security Network, uh, an organization that you, you and I know well because we've worked with them because charities have been harmed uh, se- you know, separately because it's difficult for them to get um, sometimes to get uh, financial relationships and bank accounts because – Financial institutions are fearful of frauds. I would think in this situation, the other part of this that will continue to happen is people uh, creating, making up uh, GoFundMe pages and saying they're a charity to help um, with medical supplies and that sort of thing. I would think this would be rampant right now. Oh, absolutely, John. And that people are just going to see this as an opportunity to exploit a, a, a terrible situation. And, and, and they're going to play on our goodwill. So we're going to see we're, we're going to see every type of scheme imaginable. Unfortunately, it's uh, it's like I said, it's, it's really unconscionable. And I hope it was good to see uh, the attorney general at one of those press conferences earlier this week where he put the fraudsters on notice that the government's not going to tolerate um, frauds. And and in that vein, he was just talking about stockpiling of the medical goods and things that are in short supply. But what's going to happen is that every fraud scheme imaginable is, is going to manifest itself here. So, you know, I, I envision very shortly that the FBI and 
all of federal law enforcement, not to mention some of the state agencies, are all going to have to reprioritize their uh, their resources and, and really put a major emphasis and a major resource expenditure into working this type of fraud. Yeah, and I and I would imagine the same for the private sector for for our friends in the in in AML and fraud prevention in the banks that they have to be on particularly higher alert because I, I would imagine there will be, as you mentioned before, you know, phishing, spear phishing, all the sorts of issues that happen um, electronically, but also the um, the typical fraud where you try to scare customers and saying you are with a bank and you need information, you need that, those identifiers and all of that. So I would imagine uh, our friends in the financial sector who are also doing what we're all doing, and that is getting their staffs working remotely and dealing with all the challenges there. This just probably makes it even more more of a potential for frauds directed at customers of banks to, uh, in addition to the investigations that the FBI will have regarding uh, fraudsters out there, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, when you think about it, in our lifetime, we've never seen anything like we're experienced with, experiencing with this pandemic. And I, I, I'm unfortunately, I believe that we haven't seen anything like the magnitude of fraud we're about to encounter. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. I, I don't want to keep you too long, but there's a, besides all of that, you sent over, again, you've been great at sending us the information the FBI has been putting out that um, everybody should go to the FBI.gov for their information. We at AML Right Source have put a resource page together that we will make live shortly that will include links to a lot of the different agencies and issues related to the COVID-19 frauds. But one of the most disturbing things uh, that we've seen in the past week that you identified was that the FBI has indicated that there are uh, white supremacist organizations that are actually encouraging their members, this sounds so insane, that if they have the virus, to spread it around uh, and infect law enforcement and infect uh, people in the Jewish communities, people in the Islamic communities. I mean, it's just horrific. Oh, it's, it's, you know, it's horrible. It's bad enough when you look at it from a financial perspective and the financial fraud perspective. But then when you put it in the context of terrorism, that's that's a whole nother dimension that we're going to have to deal with. That's that's so unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's just incredible. Um, how how is it going for you personally? You have a lot of grandkids and obviously an extended family. Uh, how are you guys handling this? Well, you know, uh, we're, you know, I'm I'm in a fortunate situation because I'm at home. I work from home, so the impact hasn't been that serious. But as you know, um, my former son-in-law had a scare, and fortunately, we found out today that he doesn't have the coronavirus, but he has another serious, some sort of virus of some other sort that's pretty serious. But it's it's not what we thought. So um, one of the things that's been unfortunate is we haven't had the opportunity to see some of our grandchildren because we've all kind of quarantined ourselves uh, a little more, a little more extra and, and diligently. Sure. And and with that now behind us, we're actually the grandkids are going to come over here tonight and spend the night okay. with us. So uh, from our standpoint, things 
things are pretty uh, fortunate, uh, a lot more fortunate, unfortunately, than some of our friends and some of our colleagues. Right. Well, thanks uh, for sharing that. And uh, I hope your your, uh, uh, your ex-son-in-law gets, gets better, of course. Um, any last thoughts for the AML community besides, obviously, to be vigilant? On the health side, obviously, we have a lot of good advice on what we should be doing and not doing. But in terms of uh, those of us that are still involved in, in fraud prevention areas, additional information other than to stay current with all the different frauds. Absolutely. We've got to stay current. We've got to stay aware. You know, when I do my presentations, I talk about situational awareness. And this is one of those times where being situationally aware of the fraud problem, in addition to the, the problem of the coronavirus is really important. You know, we in the AML space, we have a unique capability because we can be on the front line and we can assist law enforcement. And so those of us that are responsible for suspicious activity reports or working with our partners in law enforcement, this is a perfect opportunity for us. And to your point, be vigilant and 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 be aware and stay aware of the problems and and to report them as soon as possible. What I always talk about is that sense of urgent reactiveness. So this is a time when we need to be urgently reactive to some of the, the, the frauds and, and other problems that are out there. Well, Dennis, uh, thanks so much. It's uh, Dennis Lormel, the former head of TFOS at the FBI, now runs his own consulting firm. He's also uh, on the ACAMS advisory board, and he's been involved with uh, AML Right Source in a number of areas. We do have a resource page for folks that are interested, amlrightsource.com. Uh, this is John Byrne. The last thing I will say is to our friends and peers and uh, relatives and those in the medical community, thanks so much for what you do. We can't thank you enough. We know how courageous you've been. We will get through this. We, you know, you were in the United States. We've gone through many other things. We just need to continue to stay on top of things. So, Dennis, good luck with everything, and thanks for taking some time today. Thanks, John, and take care of yourself, too.